um, yes, why don't we start uh, with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word this evening. Lord, we know that you are the one who fulfills the law, that you stood in our place and, and has given us uh, the joy of, uh, of the true love uh, through your sacrifice. Bless us in our calling to love and serve. Uh, through, the, through the great uh, redemption, O oh Lord, uh, bless us in your wisdom and lead us, O oh Lord, uh, to, the be, to be the beacons of light uh, to, our, to our community and, and to love and serve according to the vocations that you have called us to be. Bless us in our baptism and lead us in the righteousness that you give and, and lead us, O oh Lord, this night. Lord, for all these things we're thankful. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, as we continue here, um, we're on Galatians 3, 27 and following. Again, I just wanted to kind of reiterate this for you about, uh, uh, you know, about the, the gift of baptism, right? Uh, you know, baptism is a gift from God. I feel like I'm getting cut off here. Right, that's better. Baptism is a gift from God. And uh, this baptism is how God calls us. Again, when we talk about word and sacrament, remember this. It's God is working. God is working by his grace. He is calling us to be his own uh, by his very word. The gospel is God working. The sacraments is God working. Everything is God working. And if God is working, we are receiving we are the passive inheritors by the power of the holy spirit through the word creating faith in us uh there even in our baptism we are given the gift of life forgiveness and salvation as he called us to be his own so this is very important because when we talk about the context of galatians what were they struggling with they were struggling with the works of the law is baptism a work that we do no no right I mean, some people might say that in Christianity, don't they? Uh, I think a lot of people might say, oh, no, well, I have to be ready to be baptized. Or, or in communion, I'm doing this for God. Uh, there's different views of communion, right? But for us, it's God is serving us his body and blood. God is robing us in his righteousness and baptism. God is dying for our sins and rising on the third day, right? So when we talk about that, according to Scripture, it really places, as St. Paul is talking about here, how God is working and as he is declaring us righteous by his very work. Now, again, the Judaizers were pre- teaching and preaching that the law of Moses and circumcision, all the food and dietary laws, all these things, well, if we just do them enough, we will be saved. And this is in vast, vastly different than what St. Paul was proclaiming in the gospel, right? Baptism is kind of that rubber in the road for a lot of people. Or the, not the rubber in the road, the fork in the road, isn't it? It's always dividing. I think even amongst uh, Christianity too, uh, you know, uh, ever since the Reformation uh, with, uh, with uh, the real presence of the Supper of our Lord, it's been a controversy for hundreds of years, right? Uh, we very well know that. Um, I mean, many people would, would argue all these things like, oh, it, that's impossible, how could that be? Uh, other people would say that doesn't give the forgiveness of sins. It's just symbol, right? Uh, there'd be so many arguments on that. Uh, but as we look at scripture, it's pretty simple. If we just look at scripture for what it is, uh, there we see it in verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, baptized, baptizo, uh, immersion into water, 
whether if it's, whether it's a lot of water or a little water, the point is it's water into Christ, have put on Christ, garmenting language. Uh, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean in the context of Galatians? Is that, yes, the Jews and the Gentiles are their levels. Absolutely not, right? We are all the same, covered by the same blood of Jesus, right? This is uh, the gift for all people. Uh, after all, baptism, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about uh, the gift of our Lord and his, and his grace, this is for all people. And this is a comforting gift for each and every one of us, because all of us are all one in Christ Jesus. One in Christ. Uh, verse 29, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to his promise. Now again, heirs, what does heirs, what does heirs, that word, uh, what does it, uh, what does it imply? Part of his family. Yes, we are part of his family. Heirs implies uh, that we are receivers, right? That we are inheritors of God's gifts, of his promise. Now, inheritance, that's what we're talking about in chapter four here. Inheritance, what is the nature of inheritance? The nature of inheritance is that we are... We're given something. Given. Yeah. Right? Given. Um, and that's very... Well, I know what that is. That means Christ says he's given us a, he saved us a room in his kingdom of heaven a room for us it's written yeah. right yeah 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 that he is he is um you know I, i'm going away to, to 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 give you the uh the mansion with many rooms to provide a place for you as he is the way the truth and the life in john 14 uh but uh but yeah you know heirs is an inheritance language so inheritance language means not what you have done but what christ has given to you passive heirs Inheritance. We're going to talk about adoption as well. What does that look like? Is that something we do? Or is that something that God has gathered us in by his grace? Now, again, why is this important? Because the design for the Judaizers is what? Climb the ladder of righteousness and you'll get there. Right? What St. Paul is saying, no, it's been freely given to you. Right? Uh, we heard it in the sermon tonight, kind of. I don't know if I said it. I forgot. But the point is, is that uh, we, 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 with the things of man and the things of God, you know, when we try to master the list, uh, it's as if we're telling ourselves that we need to do all these things. Uh, that's our kind of like our legalistic human nature. But when in fact, no, we get to do all these things because we're already there, because we are inheritors of his grace. We have put on Christ by our baptism, right? This is, this is what I'm talking about in a sense of heirs according to the promise. Uh, that's Gary Brighton here. Uh, check one, two, three. Oh, hey, what's up? Here. Um, it's good because I don't have to accept people anymore. Jeff made it so that when you sign on, you just sign on. I don't have to press admit. So it uh, it's nice, but yet also surprise. Oh, Abe, too. Or my wife is on Abe's. Okay, so here's what happens. All right. You can hear the dialogue, too. That's right. Um, but... But again, uh, when we speak of the heirs, uh, according to the promise, um, this is a segue into chapter four about the inheritance. Now, 
why does it need to be an inheritance? When we juxtapose, when we compare the, the prodigal son and his other brother, remember the story of the prodigal son, the lost son? Uh, the prodigal son and his other brother, what do we, what's the difference between those two brothers? If you remember that story, what is the difference? Uh, one thought they one thought they deserved it, and one said they had uh, done enough work to deserve it. Oh, so no. one one was there all along, right? Right. One was there all along, tending to everything that the father was saying, and when the lost one who took the inheritance and spent it all in the world and came back with nothing, he just wanted to be his servant, right? Just let me work for you. And the father did what to the prodigal? He Give him a big banquet. Let us rejoice because my son was lost, but now he is found, right? So what happens to the other brother? He's like, come on. I was here all, where's my party, right? Where's, I've been working hard, right? Where, what do I get, right? And again, why is that? When we talk about inheritance, why, what, what, what is it about the inheritance? How, how do we connect inheritance to that story about the prodigal son? How do we connect that? Anyone? I think simply, when we look at the inheritance, we see the prodigal son broken, knowing that he doesn't deserve anything, and there the father gives to him the celebration, the signet ring, the sandals, the clothes, the linens, the fattened calf for the banquet. He's giving to him the great promise, right? And that is a character of our Lord. That is his attribute, that he is a Lord of grace, right? Uh, and the, 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 the other brother who was there all along is that motif of that, look what I've done. Look what I deserve. And when we look at the Judaizers, this is the ladder to which they climb. And for us, it has to be in the it has to be an inheritance because we cannot save ourselves, right? It has to be an inheritance because we need to be made alive by His promise in Christ Jesus. So, because of Christ, because we are one in Christ, verse twenty-eight, uh, we are we are heirs according to the promise. Okay. Why don't we read verses one and two now? One and two. So can you read that for me? Is that of chapter four there? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll go. What am I saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the holy state. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. Period. Okay, so good. So. So for a child, uh, you know, and again, with slavery in the Bible, it's vastly different from what we think of, uh, of you know, of the more modern day 17th century, I believe, uh, slavery in Africa. This is, this is a different, this is different in the Bible, right? Uh, many people who could not afford would, uh, would, uh, would be sent uh, to work under a master and there they would be provided, uh, you know, helps financially and, and room and board and food and all these things. Um, 
uh, slaves were not, um, were called uh, to, I think in the Bible it says something about uh, to, to care for them and, and to, um, yeah, to, to care and love for them. So this is, um, I think, very important in terms of when we look at a slave, they're under a master. And for a child, why don't, if you had, if they had an inheritance, why wouldn't you give it to them when they were born? Why do you wait till they're like 20 or 25 or 30? Why do you wait or till they're 40 or, or 60? I don't know. Why do you wait? Not ready. Say that again? They don't understand. They, they can't. They can't manage they it. They can't correctly. manage it because they're, they're too young to understand. So, so it takes, there is a, it takes time, right? It takes time to grow. It, it takes time to learn um, that this guardian, as we see it in verse two, uh, yeah, the guardian would be there to take care. Uh, the minor or this child could not act independently. Um, and, uh, you know, again, there was this time where this preparation uh, of, of learning, of guarding, of caring. And there, until the date set by the father, then he would receive uh, that inheritance. And, you know, I think this is very important when it comes to, uh, as, you know, we look at the Old Testament, uh, we know that uh, by the law of Moses, uh, there uh, they were given this law and there they, they uh, were always anticipating what was to come in Christ Jesus, right? It was kind of like that waiting period of the anticipation of his death and resurrection. And for us, uh, we, we are post-resurrection, so now we are awaiting his return. Now in that waiting, as we are heirs, we are heirs, we're not wondering if we're an heir, we know that we are an heir, and it's a child who is an heir of anything. Let's say you had a million dollars for him. Oh, that's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good lump sum for that child. <laughs> but uh, uh, if that child knew he knows that that's waiting. He's not trying to earn it, right? It's there for him, but it's not there for him yet. It's going to be given to him, but he has it in a sense, but it's just not there with him yet. So as an heir, it's that waiting, that anticipation uh, for the gifts that is to come. And that date is set by the father. Now we're going to talk about this date in a little bit here, but um, uh, you know, I think it says right there, what does it say right there in verse one? It says, uh, as, uh, I, mean that, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Though he is the owner of everything. What does that mean? I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. What does that mean right there? Well, he has the inheritance and he knows that he will get it, but he doesn't have the knowledge or the wisdom of the life experience to use it correctly yet. That's right. I mean, when we talk about inheritance, you're not wondering. You know that you are the recipient of this gift. Now, what does that say about your faith in Christ Jesus as you are heirs to his kingdom? How does that apply to you guys when it comes to um, being heirs and being and having everything? Um, what is, uh, 
I guess, what am I trying to ask here? Uh, you know, when it comes to the inheritance here, uh, we very well know that uh, because Christ is our, is the one who has gifted us salvation, we know that we have all things. Now, are we tempted by the devil? Yes. Are we twisted by the world? Yes. But in the inheritance of Christ, as we are heirs, we very well know that we, we have all things, um, that we have the gift of salvation, forgiveness, and life. And I think that is very important to remember in this day and age. Um, we're not wondering. We know. We're not hoping we get it. We know in faith that we're getting it. We have already received it by this gift of the resurrection and our baptism, right? Lord's Supper, all these gifts. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, verse 3, verse 3. I can read that. Thank you. In the same way, in the same way we also in the same way we also when we were children were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. All right. So the elementary So again, this is uh this can be a lot of things. This could be the pagan uh this could just be the paganism that was running rampant especially in the uh the the gentile nation, but also, you know, with the Judaizers, what are the elemental principles that they were teaching? They were teaching the things of man that the law saves, right? Uh, if you believe that the law saves you and that the law, if you do it enough, will set you free, will you ever break free from that if that's what you believe? Will you ever be free? Uh, what am I trying to say? Will you ever be, uh, can you ever break yourself free by the works of the law? No. No. No, right? And you that's can never the do of them, Roy. Say that again. You can never do enough of them and you can never do them all correctly. So then it's like, well, how many would be enough? And then what would the quality have to be of the works you even do? And I think a lot of times our motivation to love and serve becomes very self self serving. Right. I know we talked about it last week a little bit about the law and how we ought to love and how we love now in this day and age in the name of Christ is that we're not bound. Right. We're not bound by the law We're we have been set free by Christ. And there we love and serve um, in the joy of what he has already done for us in the redemption. Right. Um, and that is what is so foreign to the world. Now, we're, we're not we're no longer bound and enslaved by the element elementary principles of the world as it says right here uh that when we were children we were enslaved but what has set us free um i think i want to read this for you real quick uh you know um what does it say right here uh it says uh, with his own blood to be sure he redeemed and sanctified all men that because we are not perfectly pure but remnants of sin still cling to our flesh Therefore, he comes spiritually every day, day by day. This is for you. Uh, this is for you, Sheldon. Listen up. From Luther himself. Thus, the Lord came, or Jesus came in spirit to the patriarchs, the Old Testament, every day before he came once and for all. They had Christ in spirit. They believed in him as one who was to be revealed. So the old, looking forward to the Christ, right? as we believe in him as one who has been revealed, right? So 
So again, we're all believing in the same Christ, the Spirit. We talk about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Indeed, it, the Holy Spirit was there uh, leading was that, the Was people. that Psalm 51? Was that Psalm 51, 10 through 12? Yeah, Don brought it up yesterday. Uh, but no, indeed, the Spirit was uh, with the Old Testament patriarchs as they were leading the people. As it all, what, what is it? It all led, it was looking towards the anticipation of Christ. Now, we live in a time where we're living towards his return, anticipation for his return, and we're still enduring and, and waiting for that time. But at the end of the day, you guys, when we talk about verse 3, I think, when I say this, uh, the law increases sin. What do, I, what do I mean by that? That the law increases sin. Without the law versus with the law, we find that it, sin increases. What do I mean by that? If there is no law, then what? Then I don't. Then there are no rules. So if there are no rules, you can't break any rules. And I don't know my sin, right? What my mm -hmm. trespasses were, right? I uh, think you, Carrie, for chiming in. I, I didn't know if you were having technical, technical difficulties I'm, or not. I'm, but, I'm eating dinner. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not going to ask what's for dinner. Anyways, uh, but... Uh, uh, but again, you know, when we talk about the law increasing sin, what I'm saying is that the law shows us our sin. The law doesn't show us how to justify ourselves or how to be righteous, but the law at the end of the day shows us our sin and points us to Christ, inheritance, gift, giving, passive recipient, receiving by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit, infant baptism, right? I didn't choose. God chose me. That's how it works, by his very word. How do I have faith? By the Holy Spirit who created faith in me, by that very word. Even when I was a baby, even when I was older, as I'm hearing God's word, that is how God works. And this is, again, context-wise with the Galatians, they were do it was reverse, right? It was, we do this, we do that, we do this, we do that. And, and, and no, he's saying, no, if you think that that is the way you are enslaved and you will always be enslaved if it's by the law, right? Sorry, I get into it a little bit. But um, anyways, so this is, uh, I think, very important to, uh, to remember is that, uh, uh, yes, the law at the end of the day is good. The law is good. It, it led Moses and his people, right? But at the end of the day, the law also accuses and terrifies, knowing that we cannot save ourselves, showing us our sin. And there is Christ. Um, okay, uh, verses uh, 4 and 5. Verse 4 and 5. Someone can read that. Gospel stuff here. Great stuff. I can read that. Got it. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Sheldon. For when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Okay, so, uh, but when the fullness of time had come, what is the fullness of time right here? What is the fullness of time, clearly? It is the? God's time? It's the gospel, right? God sent forth his son, right? Now, what does this mean? God sent forth his son. His son, God's son. And um, that shows us what about Jesus? That he is 
the son of God, right? Um, and that he is born of woman. Now, what does that mean? What does that show about Jesus, that he is born of woman? What does that mean? What would do we apply about Jesus? Well, he's God and he's man. Good. Right. Why is it important that Jesus is God? Why is it important that Jesus is man? Why are those two things important? Why is our faith so rooted in those two natures of Christ? Why is it so that makes him That makes him the perfect sacrifice for us, right? Good, good. Uh, <laughs> that's right, that's right. So uh, when we talk about uh, being uh, born of a woman, this is, this is God taking upon the flesh. Uh, but also God who is sent forth as a son. Uh, this is the one true God who came into the flesh, who was born under the law. So when we talk about being born under the law, what does this mean? I think I... Would it be that salvation hadn't yet come because Christ had not yet been crucified and, did not, uh, and was not yet resurrected? Um, sorry, Carrie, I muted you a little bit. I know there's some ambient noise in the back. So if, no, it's okay. It, no, it's okay. If, if you have, I, I feel bad. I don't like pressing the mute button. I feel like I'm totally like, totally just doing the face palm at someone. I feel so bad. I don't like doing it. I don't. But no, uh, yes. Uh, 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 Cecily, say that one more time. Say that one more time. Well, to me, being born under the law meant because at the time that Christ was born, then it would still be under the law because it wouldn't be the fulfillment of the gospel because he had, he had not yet crucified and red yet yeah he was so being born under the law now that that verse five is your hint right he was born under the law what is it to redeem those who are under the law so when we talk about jesus's faithfulness what does that look like so we see right here the fullness of time god coming down to the word made flesh, right? Jesus, right? His son. Now being born under the law, what is it about Jesus's life that there we find our great inheritance? I mean, of course, the, the fulfillment, the climax there is his death and resurrection. But what does it say about his life right here when it says born under the law? Why is that so important? His whole life. Why is his whole life important in terms of the gospel promise? because all of his life he was able to fulfill every bit of the law yes yes uh uh yeah all his life was about uh being the the perfect sacrifice for our sins and how is he the perfect sacrifice for our sins by being the god the one true god but also the perfect sacrifice the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? The slaughter, the Passover lamb, Egypt, Exodus, on the way they go, right? The high priest in the tabernacle, 
sending the animal in uh, for that blood sacrifice for the atonement of sins. Jesus not playing a go not, not playing a costume, but actually being in flesh and blood, perfect under the law, obedient to the law, and never sinning. And his whole life, his active life, obedient he was for the sake of the fullness of time, and that is his death and resurrection on the cross. Um, those uh, to redeem those who are under the law, because we, if we're like, if we say we want to be like Jesus, and uh, and again, you know, I know Saint Paul says we ought to be imitators of Christ, and that's that's definitely uh, a different kind of thread. But I think uh, if we think we can do what Jesus does, in a sense of fulfilling the law, like the Judaizers we are sorely mistaken and we are kept in the bondage of sin and slavery, if that is the case, right? So the gospel right here is shown to us through his identity, who he is and what, that it, what the implications are for who he is. So important that he's God. Many religions believe in Jesus, but they do not believe he is God, right? There's also a false teaching that says Jesus never took on the flesh, right? That he's a mere... He is, he's wearing a costume of the flesh, that he was just there in the guise of a human being, right? Uh, so there's so many different views of Jesus in how people view him. I think most people think that he's not God, right? That he was a man that did a lot of good things and, you know, um, uh, but for us Christians, you know, we see right here, uh, what is it? That by his work under the law, he fulfilled the law so that we may receive adoption as sons. Now, what is adoption? Uh, when we talk about adoption, oh, I see. Cecily and Dave cut out. I'm pretty sure their internet was struggling. But what is it about adoption? What is that adoption language? We talk about heirs. We talk about inheritance. What is the nature of adoption? What is the nature of adoption? What? You're getting saved or scooped up to be cared for and loved, right? When you're adopted, that means you're implying that the one who is being adopted, it, the one who is being adopted is orphaned, right? They're orphaned, right? When we talk about orphan, what does orphaned mean? What does orphaned mean? No, no parents, no mother, no father. Yes, yes. So, oh, you're back. You're, I'm glad you're back. I know it was probably an internet thing, but we're on, uh, we're on uh, verse five still uh, about Jesus under the law to redeem us under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And when we talk about adoption, we're implying that what? That we are orphaned. Now that orphaned is what? The fall the separation from God, that we are dead in our trespasses, that we, as it says in Genesis 8, 21, that we are evil from our youth, right? That we're just, you know, that separation from God. We, we cannot climb out of that predicament. Uh, and here we see, so that we may receive the adoption as sons. Sheldon said it. He said, the Lord scoops us out. Reminds me of ice cream. Ice cream actually sounds really good right now. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but, he, but he scoops us out because that's how it ought to be. In our baptism, Sheldon, he scoops you out, right? Uh, in the gospel, he scoops you out. I, I, in the supper, uh, there he gives to you the food, the forgiveness of your sins, the adoption as sons. 
So adoption is a word of grace, is God's action to you. See, all this stuff right here, what is he trying to fight? The opposite. It's man thinks that we can get to God by our works. St. Paul saying, no, you, you, you are adopted. You are inheritors. You are heirs to his kingdom. This is passive, passive, passive as God is working, right? And this is the life of faith, right? And I, I can't, I've, I've come from a Christianity that was ladder driven. Climbing the ladder, do it. 12 steps of being a perfect Christian, and I tried. And at the end of the day, I was enslaved by my own legalism, right? I was burned. I was actually burned out. I told myself, you know what? I'm done. I'm not a Christian because I'm not good enough. I'm just not good enough. I'm trying, but I just can't do it. What is wrong with me? I just, I guess I can't, I can't keep up. But then, but then when we hear this gospel here, it's sweet. Is it about me? And for the Judaizers, it was. It's about the law of Moses, circumcision, all these things. But when St. Paul comes in here, what does he say? No, it's Jesus taking you, giving you this inheritance. And by his grace, you are heirs, right? So very good, uh, I think very important uh, motifs here in a sense of, um, you know, I, I love this. Um, Luther writes this. He says, uh, pertaining to the adoption as sons. I love, you know, of course we're Lutheran, so we love Luther, but um, love Luther, of course. It says right here, you know, Luther saying uh, uh, in regards to the adoption as sons, he is saying to the law, he's addressing the law. He says, law, you have no jurisdiction over me. Therefore, you are accusing and, and condemning me in vain. For I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who the Father sent into the world to redeem us miserable sinners who are oppressed by the tyranny of the law. He poured out his life and spent it lavishly for me. And when I feel your terrors and threats, O law, I immerse my conscience in the wounds, the blood, the death, the resurrection, and the victory of Christ. Beyond him, I do not want to see or hear anything at all. And that is what Luther says to the law. He says, you have nothing on me. He was peed off right there. I love that. Maybe, I don't know if that was a tone, but. <laughs> it was tone. I love that. But, uh, but I love the, oh, law, I immerse my conscience in the wounds, the blood, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. And that's the key, right? And, and I can't emphasize that enough about what St. Paul's going through here with trying to tell them what this life of Christ is all about, the adoption of the saints through the blood of Christ. And uh, that's pretty much it, you know, with that. I think it's so, um, uh, uh, why don't someone read quickly 1 John 5, 4. 1 John, 1 John, back of the book, 1 John 5, 4. Actually, sorry, First John 5, 3 and 4. Sorry, so could read that. First John 5, 3 and 4. Yeah, 
First John five three. Oh, I have it, Pastor. Go for it. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that okay, overcomes? Oh, should I do the last one? Yeah, yeah, slide? good. Yeah, yeah. Who, yeah. who is it? that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's right. So when we look at, uh, you know, and, I, and I, want, I, I want you to read that verse 3 because it says, and his commandments are not burdensome, right? Why are they not burdensome? Because we have already been set free by the gospel. If we're enslaved to the law, then this law will be a burden right? But we're set free as Jesus fulfilled the law for us so that everyone who is born of God, how do you know you're born of God? Your baptism. How do you know you're born of God? The resurrection, right? How do you know you're born of God? By the faith that God has given to you by his word through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? This is, this is where uh, we are born of God. This faith that he has been given, it says right there in four and five, uh, who is that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Now we go back to Galatians four and clearly we see that what St. Paul is saying here is that because uh, uh, you have received this adoption as sons, um, it says right there in verse six, and we'll, I'll read it for you real quick. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Look at that. It says, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. How do how does the spirit go into our hearts by the holy spirit by the holy spirit who creates faith in us by the word right faith comes by hearing hearing the word of god this is how the holy spirit calls us baptism too put on christ even babies right hey is that old testament this this galatians right here is this the old testament too yeah, you know, when we talk about um, Abba Father right here, uh, uh, clearly we see uh, the Aramaic there um, of Abba Father. And, you know, when we, when we hear God's word, Sheldon. No, what it, well, go ahead. What, what I meant was, this is just another example of the fact that God sent the Holy Spirit if this Galatians is, is B.C. Yeah, no, I, I, no, I, I mean, this is, I mean, the spirit was in the Old Testament. Again, yeah. uh, people would say father out of faith, right, uh, 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 to the Lord. And, and uh, we very well know that uh, uh, it is by faith that these words are said. So when we talk about uh, uh, the spirit of his son into our hearts, that is, as, a, as the word is going in, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, there what's coming out is what? Faith creating faith, uh, so Holy Spirit creating faith in us. And there we say, Father, and I think, uh, I know I talked about this, uh, whenever we go with Father, what do I always think of? The introduction to the Lord's Prayer. You know, when you say the Our Father, I, I think I preached on this in Joyfully Lutheran probably last year sometime, but in a midweek service, but when you say Our Father, why can we just couldn't we just sit there for the rest of our lives and dwell upon what that means? 
um, and how much of a blessing that is for each and every one of us to say out of our mouth and pray in faith, our Father. Like, what, what does that mean? And I think when we talk about the work of Christ and how he reconciled us to the Father, so we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit who, who binds us to this word and creates faith in us, faith in Christ, whoever believes in the Son of, what is it, First John 5, 5, right, as Cecily read it, uh, who has overcome the world, right? This is, when we say our Father, in other words, as we pray the, the Our Father, it's thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for giving us your grace, for adopting us into your kingdom and, 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 and giving us the blessed inheritance of, of, of this eternal kingdom through the gift of your sacrificial work. And to say Our Father, it's not just any Our Father. This is not an earthly father we're talking about. We're talking about a, a, our Heavenly Father who, who has saved and redeemed us, who has brought us to be his own, and we are his true children right? And, you know, again, this is how we are children of God. Not our father, look what I've done. Now I'm your child, right? No, we say our father because he recovered by his blood. The commandments aren't burdensome because this is naturally what we do out of the love of Christ, right? We, we, don't, we, we don't say our father, I think I'm his child. Are you my father? I don't know. I hope. Did I do enough? No. We, we know that he is our father by the redeeming work of Christ. Gift, gift, gift. Right by our baptism. That we are his own. Right? So again, when we talk about being sons and heirs, we are surely, what's the word? We are confident, right? That we can say father and that he hears our prayers. Verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God, because you have been broken away from captivity, from sin and death by the work of Christ, who has released you from those chains. Right? And this is, again, the gospel in a nutshell. And um, I want you to really dwell upon this because... Trust me, um, the Judaizers, that way of thinking is very easy. It's very easy to mix up the law and gospel. It's very easy to get mixed up in the things of man, which says what? You got to do something to get something, right? And here we see St. Paul saying, no, it's been done for you. And there you receive. Jesus charges you his righteousness and declares you justified in front of God. And you are heirs to his kingdom. And this is what he's, no climbing. It's Jesus who swoops down for you, who scoops you up, as, as, as Sheldon would say. Uh, see, I just quoted Sheldon. So, um, touche. Anyways, uh, so, uh, uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, we'll, we'll end there today um, and we'll continue on. But really, uh, this is a very comforting text, especially in the day that we're living so much we can be enslaved by, but Christ has set you free and has given you life eternal. You are his children, all by his redeeming grace to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. All right. Very well. All right. Why don't we, um, why don't we close the night there? I know it's getting late, but um, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Dearly Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for your word. We thank you the com for the comfort of salvation, knowing that we are heirs to your kingdom. Lord, as we wait for the now, as we are in the now and we wait for the not yet, grant us patience in tribulation. 
Guide us to love peaceably one another and live in harmony with one another. Lead us in the joy of Christ as we await the guaranteed assurance of your kingdom. Bless us and lead us and comfort us in your promises, knowing that we live under your heavenly and gracious care. Lord, for all these things we are thankful. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.